From the creators of the hit kids podcast, Who Smarted, and Netflix's Brainchild, comes the adventurous world of mysteries about true histories, affectionately known as math. Every episode follows Max and Molly. I got to say, love the name Max. That's my my puppy dog's (laughs) name. Uh, Who have just recruited into a secret order of problem solvers on an adventure through time packed with puzzles, hidden equations, history, and laughs. It actually makes learning pretty cool. Yeah. Now, I listened to this with my son, and it was so fun to listen to. I loved how modern it was with a cool ant that they really dug, and like they dealt with bullies. Uh, My son also enjoyed all the math involved. Like He thought it was really cool. Well, and I have to say, I love anything that brings learning and fun together for kids. I really, really wish that something like this was around for my teens when they were younger. We would have absolutely devoured this on our car trips. It would have been amazing. It's perfect for kids ages six and up, and new episodes drop every Thursday. So tune in to Mysteries About True Histories with your kids. You can follow and listen on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your pods. Welcome to the No Guilt Mom Podcast. I am your host, Joanne Crone, joined here by my co-host, Bree Tucker. Why, hello, hello, everybody. How are you? Yeah. It's 100 degrees outside and I am cold. <laughs> yes, that usually happens in Phoenix. People are like, how do you survive it? We're like, well, we just don't go outside. Yeah. We have really good air conditioning yeah, we, here. We live in our AC. Really good. And you got you to gotta make your house really cold in the morning because when it hits that over 110 in the afternoon, yeah, you got to have it already have been cold to begin. So, but, I, but it, it lets me wear my pretty yellow jacket. Yeah, pretty yellow jacket, which ties perfectly into our guest today, Erica Cartledge, who is a professional stylist, an image architect, CEO, and founder of Your Chic is Showing. She helps women cultivate their confidence using fashion and style. And we met Erica at the Mom 2.0 conference. Like we meet so many guests on this podcast. We know you're going to love her. She has so much insight into buying expensive pieces that are outside of the Walmart budget, which we dig into with Brie and just so much more. So we hope you enjoy our interview with Erica. You want mom life to be easier. That's our goal too. Our mission is to raise more self-sufficient and independent kids, and we're going to have fun doing it. We're going to help you delegate and step back. Each episode, we'll tackle strategies for positive discipline, making our kids more responsible and making our lives better in the process. Welcome to the No Guilt Mom podcast. Erica, welcome to the podcast. We are so excited to have you on and talk all about style. And you are such a stylish person. We met you at Mom 2.0. And I swear every day we were there, I wanted to be like, what is Erica wearing today? And you never disappointed. Never. (laughs) Well, thank you very much. I appreciate that. And thank you so much for having me today. The bold colors you pick, the bright pink suit. It's just seeing you in that gave me such permission to really go into the bold colors back in my life. Because I feel like Ever since I was a kid, I was the kid with the big geometric bedspread and just those bold shapes and the bright colors and the fluorescent like shorts that probably I should not have worn. Hey, everybody was wearing them in your defense. We were all doing it. 
I mean, have you seen the intro to In Living Color? I mean, that was my childhood. Yeah, that was my life for sure. Yeah, right? How did you dress as a kid? So I was child of the 80s. So I lived in the leggings with the lace on the bottom, with a skirt on top, my t-shirt tied with the colorful little clips, four pairs of socks, big hair. I mean, I loved it. I loved prints and patterns and all of that. You know, I definitely was like, Team fluorescent, team loud, team bright. Yeah, that, that was all my jam, all of it. Yeah, I was definitely team fluorescent right there with you. And then watching TV, I was always like, it was six. I had so many blossom hats, so many blossom hats. I was going to say, I love six and Clarissa on yes, Clarissa Explains It All. Peep. Oh, man. Oh, man. Sign I never up. got into the hats, though. Like, I just don't look good in hats. I bought a hat for a vacation recently. Joanna will remember this. And my hat like ran away from me before I even got on the trip. It disappeared. We legit are still trying to figure out what happened to that hat. I just, hats are not my thing. I wish I looked cute in them because they look so good on so many yeah. people. I have the same trouble with hats. They don't fit my head. I have a crazily large head. But you look good in a ball cap. I can't even pull off ball cap. Those are adjustable. I'll go into Target. I'm like, I really want a nice straw hat. And I try to put it on my head. Mm-mm, nothing fits the head. So my hat, go shop the men's department. Because really? Yeah. So much of the same stuff. It comes in bigger sizes. So the hats will fit you. And men's stuff is cheap. Mm, the pink tax. It's the pink tax. Mm-hmm. Do you find that men's stuff is a little better made than women's? Or is it like same kind of quality? No, I think it's the same kind of quality. It just is going to depend on the brand. I mean, listen, you get what you pay for, for the most part. Uh, so yeah. that's in women's clothing. But yeah, like button downs that I want to be oversized, hats, t-shirts that I maybe want to be fitted, but like a little looser, I always go to the men's side. Can I jump in on something that you just said? And I'm not sure if this is going to resonate with anybody else, but you're like, you get what you pay for. And I feel like I feels so so it's it's a twofold thing it's like a self-fulfilling prophecy i will buy cheap clothing i will go to target walmart costco i go to goodwill i'll find whatever is cheap and then i get mad when it doesn't look good on me and then i hear or i see people in really nice clothing that looks very good on them and i'm like oh wow where'd you get that and it'll be something that's like outside of my you know walmart budget and then i'll be like well i can't spend that kind of money on me because everything looks bad it is this self-fulfilling prophecy, right? Because you don't think that you're worth that. Does anybody else ever have that guilt about spending, oh, yeah. right? About spending the money on yourself? Yeah, for sure. Especially as a mom. Well, it all depends how you were raised, too. Because I know when I was growing up, I was really intimidated by style. I thought it was something that I could never live up to and I could never achieve. And when I was shopping for, say, like seventh grade, we would go to Vanity Fair and Mervyn's. And when I requested things that were outside of those, I would get the answer, no, we don't shop there. That's where rich people shop. That's not worth the money. It's total ripoff. Okay. And you get that in your head, that total ripoff, total ripoff, total ripoff. But coming up now, I have like some pieces. Not really good. Erica, you could probably give us some more info into this. When is it worthwhile to get the good stuff versus what stuff should you really save on? Yeah. So, well, first I want to say buying better pieces actually saves you money in the long run because you replace cheaper pieces faster. And so if you just make the investment something that 
cheaply you might buy three times a year, like an old navy t-shirt. You get a really great t-shirt, a really great, fantastic pair of jeans. It'll last you years, right? But I think what I always tell people, you invest in staples, right? Or you invest in something you're going to wear all the time. So I have a moto jacket. If you go on my Instagram, you'll see me in that moto jacket. I drape it in the summer. Worth the investment every time. Something that is a trend, that is a fad, like I know the flare jeans and the belt, that's all starting to come back. I wouldn't invest in that because in a year, it's not going to be the style. It's not going to be what people are wearing. And so I always encourage my clients, invest in your staple pieces or those statement pieces that are like, I love this. I can't live without this. I'm going to wear it all the time. And the things that are the fads, just let them go. It's totally okay. It's totally fine to get it at H&M or somewhere cheaper. I think the problem that I run into is that I don't know what is a fad and what's here to stay. I mean, obviously, you can look back in history and be like, oh, you've always seen this classic lines or the shirt forever and ever and ever. And that's probably not going away anytime soon. But it's this process of indecision. And it's also this process of how do I really know what I'm going to like long term? Do you ever run into that with your clients? Yeah, so absolutely. So one thing I always tell people is it is okay for your style to change. And I think sometimes we feel like, oh, in three years, I may decide my leather jacket is not my thing anymore. And that is okay because while it was my thing, I wore it and it got really, really, really good use and it was really, really, really loved. But in so many other areas of our lives, we allow ourselves to grow and to change and evolve. You get promotions, you get better jobs, you buy different houses, you do all this stuff. And for some reason, we don't allow ourselves the space to grow and evolve and change in our style. So the first thing I would say is if you really, really love something, and you're like, I've got to have it. I can't sleep without thinking about it. Get it and wear it because you will wear it. You will use it, use it, use it. And then in three years, if you find your style changes, like even my style has evolved as I've gone from having an infant to now having a three-nager. You know, so I know, right? Right. They're like well, the teenagers, they but are. without that I've vocabulary. Got a three-nager <laughs> and, a te- and teenagers. I'm just like, I, I know, you poor thing. <laughs> You've got both ends. Yeah, giving myself, you know, I want fashionable and I want stylish, but I'm much more drawn to streamlined. So I might wear a hot pink suit, but it's not going to have a powdered shirt and all of this stuff because I want the color to be the statement. I don't need everything else. And so allowing yourself to let that style evolve and change will totally change your perspective. And then there will be some things you'll invest in. It's going to happen forever. And you might pass them down to your children because they decide they want them one day. So... Hey, all it is Joanne and Brie here, and we want to tell you about a podcast that you should check out. It's called Understood Explains. This season of the show is hosted by teacher and special education expert Juliana Uturbe, and it's all about how to navigate individual education plans, also known as IEPs. And in this latest season of Understood Explains, it covers topics like how to tell if your child needs an IEP, and it busts common myths about special education. We actually just listened to the episode, IEPs, Does My Child Need an IEP? And here is what we loved about it. 
I loved that it was so digestible. Like it was such a short episode and all of the topics, which could be really confusing to parents, were easily explained. And I loved how they gave great concrete examples because you know how much I love me a good example. They explained what kind of services and supports you could actually see on a child's IEP or individual education plan. And they explained those acronyms that nothing drives me more crazy than when there's acronyms and I don't get it. I don't know what it stands for. They took the time to explain everything in so much detail and to cover concerns that a lot of families have about special ed services. To listen to Understood Explains, search for Understood Explains in your podcast app. That's Understood Explains, or just click on the link in our show notes. You have probably heard me talk about my dog, Addie, before. And when we first got her, we didn't know that she was a counter surfer. Now, counter surfing animals are the ones who jump on counters, especially kitchen counters, when you're not looking and take stuff off of them. Well, in this instance, Addie had jumped onto the kitchen counter and eaten an entire bottle of my other dog's pain medication. You can imagine the freak out that ensued from me. So imagine this. You're at the vet's office again, knowing that vet care costs continue to rise. You're anxiously waiting to hear how expensive the bill will be. But If you had pet insurance, your pet could be covered for accidents or illnesses. That's why you should check out ASPCA Pet Health Insurance. The ASPCA Pet Health Insurance Program offers customizable accident and illness plans, making it easier for pet parents like you to help your pet get the care that they may need. They allow you to customize the plan, helping ensure that your pet's plan is as unique as they are. The ASPCA Pet Health Insurance Program has been around for over 18 years, and they've helped more than 600,000 pets during that time. Because vet bills can really add up, especially when you're least expecting it. It's simple. Use their app to submit a claim and you'll receive reimbursement for eligible vet bills directly into your bank account. To explore coverage, visit ASPCAPetInsurance.com slash no guilt. That's ASPCAPetInsurance.com slash no guilt. Again, that's ASPCAPetInsurance.com slash no guilt. This is a paid advertisement. Insurance is underwritten by either Independence American Insurance Company or United States Fire Insurance Company and produced by PTZ Insurance Agency Limited. The ASPCA is not an insurer and is not engaged in the business of insurance. So how do you know if you've kind of gotten into a slump? Sometimes I'll look in my closet and because I went through like a couple of years ago where I, I got a whole bunch of stuff and it was not a whole bunch, but to me, like five pieces was a lot. And I look at it and I'm like, it doesn't really wow me anymore, but I invested in it. It was more than my Walmart budget. And so how do you know that when you look at your closet that you're in a slump and you're like, okay, I need to do something different because you, because we sit there as moms and we're like, oh, but I shouldn't spend the time, energy and effort. I should be doing this instead with my kids or my family or. Yeah. Well, and we should also say that being in a style slump doesn't actually equate with having to like get rid of your wardrobe and buy a whole new wardrobe, right? But a slump is, you know, if you're looking at your closet and you've got a variety of things, but you kind of reach for the same five pieces or you style the same outfits the same way, those are a couple of telltale signs that you're in a slump. Or if your clothes are like really, really, really ill-fitting, not because you bought them and they didn't fit great, but because they're stretched out. They're faded. They're like falling apart. But I think 
what we're inclined to do is we're like, oh, I'm in a slump. I'm going to get rid of everything. I need to buy new stuff and start over. And what I would actually challenge you to do is get more purposeful and intentional about using what's in your closet. So I do a thing called a style shift challenge. And part of the challenge is forcing people to use what's in their closet. So you pull three pieces you love and then you build around those three pieces. So you might take your favorite shirt, do them with a skirt and a blazer one day. But then the next day I say, okay, now take that same shirt and style it another way. And then the next day, take that same thing and style it another way. And what it starts to force you to do is use the other clothes in your closet. Then you'll really get a clearer picture of, okay, what are the things I actually don't like? And what are the things I'm just overlooking because it's easy to pull the same thing every day? That's it. I like that. And I'm already thinking about my daughter who's 14 right now and how she'll come to me and she'll be like, mom, I have nothing to wear. I have nothing to wear. Oh, my God. Nothing to wear, nothing to eat. Right. Nothing to wear, <laughs> nothing to eat. Nothing to eat either. And like even right now, she's asking me, she's like, Mom, I need an, a second swimsuit. No one else just has one swimsuit. I'm wearing the same swimsuit to every party. How do we encourage kids to do the same thing of using what's in your closet and finding it and making those outfits? Yeah, I think you do it the same way you do as an adult. And here's what I always tell people. So a lot of times when we're getting dressed and we're putting together outfits, it's a pressure situation. Oh, I got to go somewhere. I got to go do this thing. I got So even, you know, your daughter, oh, I'm going to the pool party and everybody's going to be there, right? If you play dress up in your closet in a low pressure situation, then you can start to put together the combinations and the outfits without being like, oh, I'm going to look stupid. I can't go somewhere, right? Because the only person that's going to know if you look crazy or not is you in the mirror. Right. And so suddenly you're playing dress up, you're tapping back into when we were little and letting our imaginations run wild, but it's in a very low stakes, low pressure environment. So I would even, you know, with your daughter, make a game and say, okay, can you pick three things out of your closet? Let's build some outfits. Okay. Take the same three things. I want you to build something new and do it that way so that it helps her get out of her rut and what she thinks she needs to be wearing. Let's start thinking creatively about, and you can bring snacks and have music and do all thing if you want to. Just make it fun and kind of like a game because a lot of this issue with fashion is we've taken the fun out of it. Mm -hmm. It's all about keeping up with others now. It's about keeping up with others. It's about dressing the way you feel like you're supposed to dress and not necessarily what feels true and authentic to you. And there's a part of fashion and style that should tap into that same creativity and enjoyment we had as children. When we wore those geometric shapes, Joanne, and the crazy neon that we look back on now and go, oh, I need, I want those geometric shapes back. And I feel like I try it. Like I go for a lot of stripes and a lot of like bold colors. You look really good in those bold patterns. I don't, I don't feel, and that's like another thing too that would be like my next question is, I I know I like bold colors. We have figured that out about me. I like bold colors, but I feel like it took me a while to get there because I had no idea what my style was. My style was practicality. It was because especially in my field, I worked with small children. So it was constantly like things that could get ruined. I couldn't wear anything nice to work because I would get paint on me or whatever. That's a big statement, though. I think a lot of moms would say my style is practicality. Like it it's not fun. You don't get passionate about it. Yeah, you just you're you're dressing for function, not for passion. And then that's where that whole spiral starts of like, oh, my style sucks. I have no style, blah, 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 you know. Yeah, so absolutely. So I think a couple things when you are mixing in that 
it's got to be functional. It's got to make sense, which is a huge part of my process when I work with people. But is to think about where is something that can spark a little joy or give you a little energy. So you're working with littles. Maybe it's like really cool sneakers becomes your thing. That would be fun. Right? So, okay, yeah, you got to be in jeans. You got to be in a tank top. You got to be in stuff that you can get the washable paint out. But if you like bold colors, there's so many cool sneakers or just cool shoes in general. You both have bold lipsticks on. So is there a way to do that? Is it something fun, like cool on your nails or a cool piece of jewelry or fun watch band? So I think we limit ourselves and say, oh, if I'm not in this fabulous outfit, then I don't fabulous. I started more conversations with a pair of sneakers. They're Nike sneakers and they just have flowers. And I started more conversations with a pair of Nike sneakers with flowers on them that I can even tell you about. I get asked about my fingernails all the time. And they're fun and they're press-ons, right? They're not even the 80s, baby, right? Stop and talk to me and ask me about that. Then, you know, even wearing the pink suit and things like that. And so I think sometimes we put the limit on ourselves and what that might look like. Also, you are not working with those littles 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And a lot of times we reserve great outfits or cool outfits for I have to be going somewhere. I have to be doing something. I think we need that permission, right? I think as moms, we need someone to tell us it's okay to do that. And you mentioned something else. Fashion can be a really great connector with people. When you wear something fun, you get people approaching you and saying, oh my gosh, where'd you get that? I love your sneakers. Even if it's the red lipstick. Where'd you get the red lipstick, Joanne? (laughs) And people connect with that. It's actually, I use it to start conversations at conferences with people I don't know. <laughs> I'm always like, man, that's a great sparkly tank with. Oh, I'm Joanne. Hi. Right. And it's it works like that. So I think that my, my views of fashion have totally changed over the years from being totally intimidated by it to actually using it as a way both to express yourself, but also to have fun and connect with others and to bring that fun back. Because as moms, we really lose our sense of fun when we're taking care of our kids and we're trying to make sure everybody else is doing well and not us. And that's really, really hard. And it's sad when you think about it, too. I know. Like, when's the last time you got really excited about something that you were going to wear? I kind of think back to like when I was in high school or middle school or even elementary school, I'd get really excited about those because my my parents were also very frugal, right? So we would go to, and I don't know if they had this anywhere else. I grew up in Kansas City. There was a place called the Jones Store. And we had Midnight Madness sale. Literally, the store at the mall would open at midnight and you would go shopping. And it was insane. And I got two outfits. Every time they, they had two Midnight Madness sales a year, my mom would, for each of us, we each got two outfits. We had to like stay up late. She'd be like giving us caffeine to <laughs> go shopping. But I would love those outfits. How old were you? Oh, elementary school. Like, I remember doing this in third grade. But that was the... Okay, I was also the youngest of three. So there were days where I was wearing my sister's crushed velvet top from 1975. And I was born in 79. So let's just start there. Rock that crushed velvet. Right? But when I got to wear the, the hot neon outfit with the unicorn or the geometric patterns, I was all so excited about it. I just remember being really excited about pieces. And it's hard to find that excitement as a mom with our piece. I, I think it kind of is. I, if you don't know where to start. It's really interesting, though, because I think your kids can be the gateway to finding that excitement in fashion again. 
my daughter is very into shopping and clothes. And so we'll go shopping and she'll be like, mom, let's go into Lululemon. And immediately my brain is like, Lululemon, are you kidding me? That is a ripoff. Those leggings are so overpriced. Like, da, da, da. And then we'll go in. And for instance, last September, she's like, oh my gosh, this sweatshirt is awesome. I'm going to try on the sweatshirt. And I'm like, well, I'm here. I'm going to try on the sweatshirt too. It was like a $170 sweatshirt. I put it on. It is the best sweatshirt ever. I bought that sweatshirt for $170. I wear that thing all the time. You probably see me in it, Brie, the gray hoodie that I'm always wearing because it's so comfy and it's so great. It looks good. It's cropped. It's a scuba. It's so good. There you go. Scuba material is. Yes. But I'm allowing my daughter to influence me a little bit when it comes to clothes and letting that excitement kind of rub off on me. The same thing I had, but I don't let myself do because I think it's wrong or I think it's a ripoff. Yeah, but we should explore why do moms think it's wrong, right? Where's this guilt around if I'm not providing for my kids or doing for my kids or sacrificing for my kids? And here's the rub is when you do that, you teach your children, son, daughter, non-binary, whatever. You are teaching your children either that's how you're supposed to be or that's how my partner is supposed to be, right? So the other thing that I think we don't get intentional off about is what am I actually teaching my children about caring for yourself versus always sacrificing yourself for other people? What am I teaching them about how to treat whomever they choose to be with, what the roles are, what the expectations are? And so I think a lot of times it actually helps my children to see that and to see that, yes, what you're doing is important, but I'm taking these 20 minutes to put something together to feel really good when I walk out the door. And also, by the way, what a gift for your children to see you walk out of the door confidently and being authentic to yourself and showing up as the true real person that you are. And I think when you flip it and think about it that way, suddenly it doesn't feel vapid and it doesn't feel frivolous. Suddenly there are all of these life lessons that you can teach a very captive audience from a very early age about how to treat themselves and how to love themselves, and then how to teach other people how to treat. That's the mic drop moment right there, Erica. (laughs) It's totally, it's very true. And style and fashion is definitely a way to do that. This podcast is sponsored by Active Skin Repair, a skin health company helping people heal with natural, non-toxic, medical-grade ingredients. So, Bri, I remember this one time I was in a bike race around Tucson, and uh, I wasn't paying attention. We were riding down 4th Avenue, and there's railroad tracks, like streetcar tracks, and my bike's tire, like, went and wedged in to the railroad tracks, no. and I totally fell down and just, like, skinned my hands, everything. Ugh. I had nothing with me, nothing at all. And it's that times where you want a first aid product and you have nothing. And (laughs) active skin repair utilizes a molecule called hypochlorous acid. When applied to the skin, the molecule works by mimicking the natural immune response to cleanse, soothe irritation, reduce inflammation, and support healing. I've used it on my son's mosquito bites, and I wish I would have had it the time I totally scraped up my hands. 
Oh, I hear you. Like whenever I go paddleboarding, kayaking, I'm always trying to find something that is like an all-in-one that I can take with me. And active skin repair could be used like that. It can be used to treat cuts, scrapes, burns, sunburns, rashes, and other types of skin damage. It's also safe and non-toxic, which makes it suitable for all skin types, all parts of the body, like eczema and acne-prone skin, all of that. With over 500,000 happy customers, thousands of five-star reviews, and ingredients so safe and clean they can be used from the youngest member of the family to the oldest, you now have one simple solution for all of your family's skin health needs. Visit www.activeskinrepair.com to learn more about Active Skin Repair and to get 20% off your order. Use code NOGUILT. Hey there, I'm Debbie Reber, the founder of Tilt Parenting and the author of the book, Differently Wired. The mission of Tilt is to change the way neurodivergence, whether that's having a learning disability, having ADHD, being gifted, autistic, or some combination of all of the above, is perceived and experienced so differently wired kids and the parents like us raising them can truly thrive. On the Tilt Parenting Podcast, I get to talk with authors, therapists, educators, and parenting experts who are committed to this mission. I ask the questions my listeners are most curious about when it comes to supporting our kids. And in turn, my guests share strategies for challenges, out-of-the-box ideas for navigating school, best practices for therapies, tips for advocating, and so many thoughtful insights on what it really takes to help our kids grow up feeling seen and respected so they can create awesome lives for themselves. I know that raising a differently wired kid can feel overwhelming and isolating, but I promise you, you are not alone and it can feel so much better. If you're on this parenting journey, come listen to Tilt Parenting. Together, we can shift this paradigm and show up for our exceptional kids with hope, possibility, and joy. What do you have coming up that you're really excited about? So I am super excited. I launched in the last month a group style coaching community. And so one of the things that I believe you were talking about earlier, fashion seems intimidating. It seems like it's only for a certain level of people. I believe elevated style should be accessible to anyone, anywhere. And so what I have done is created a group program that gives you access to me as your personal stylist, a private community where you can connect with other people. You get weekly emails that give you outfit ideas. So if you're really like, I don't know what to wear, you can just be like, okay, I'm pulling out this email and I'm wearing this, right? So you get outfit ideas, you get affirmations, you get style tips. We do live monthly calls where you can literally ask me anything. So we talk fashion, we talk style, we talk business owner, anything. Nothing is off limits. Parenthood always comes up, right? But the coolest thing about this program is it is $25 a month, which is insane. If anyone goes to visit my website, there's not a thing that you can get for $25. I spend $25 a week on coffee. Yeah. And so. <laughs> out Starbucks for a week and you can get all this instead. Probably not even a week, like Actually, three days, no, that, right? That, that's one day a month. That's one day a week. Cut it out for one day a week. And one day a week. You there you have- go. But I just, I truly believe that being confident in your style, having a style that's authentic to you, being able to show up powerfully, that is not reserved for the rich and famous, right? That should be accessible to everybody. And it's really, really important that I'm able to do that. So I'm so excited. We've got a really fun, great community. We just helped someone get dressed for a wedding. So she posted the outfit and we're like, do these shoes, do these earrings. People See, go that's shopping. that's what I need. I yeah, need they that. go shopping and post in the group and they're like, what do you all think of these 
these pants and they'll put a pole in it. Like it's just so much fun to be with this group. And we're uh, in the middle of a no buy challenge. So we're taking the month to be intentional and to not buy clothes and to really intentionally use what's in our closet. Think about it in a new way and then create a wish list so that when we do go shopping next month, it'll be with a purpose. So that's been really, really fun to just seeing all the cool things people are like, oh, I need this. Oh, I thought I needed this. And then I found four of them in my closet. So it's, it's awesome. It's a great community. That is an awesome thing to go through. How great would it be to know that you don't even have to go shopping? You just you have it all there. You just have to reorganize it a little bit. Yep. You, just have to, yep. you don't wear what you can't see. So I always tell people, try to get everything where you can see. Well, that's awesome. Well, Erica, it's been a joy talking with you. Thank you for all of your wisdom and style advice. And I will talk to you soon. Awesome. Thank you. So I did a personal image consulting session with Erica before we interviewed. And I just, I love her because she makes it so accessible. She makes you think that you could be stylish too. And I know I say that, I'm like... (laughs) I can't be stylish, though. I can. But you're right, though, because I I feel like as we become moms, especially based upon what you do outside of your motherhood role. I talk a little bit in the episode about how I worked in early childhood. I always had to try to figure out to wear things that were okay to get ruined, right? Which meant I probably wasn't wearing stuff that I really overly enjoyed. And then after a while, you just get so used to it. I worked for a hospital for a little while, so I had a uniform I had to wear. If you're working at a place that has a uniform or a very strict dress code, you just sort of get lost. And you're like, style isn't something for me. That's for people that have a life that I doth not have. (laughs) Right? You get to the point where you think it's frivolous. That is a word that went through my head a lot. Frivolous. Rip off. I can't believe all these negative connotations I've had about style. You talked part of it, though, is about what we saw growing up. So a part of it's like w- what you were taught growing up, what you experienced, right? It's Yes, frivolous, because it just feels like spending money on clothes is frivolous. Frivolous. But it's that negative self-talk. I mean, it really affects everything you do and your actions. We talk about this a lot in Balance VIP, where we look at those voices that are saying things to us and our members write in their journals each day, like, what does my mind need to hear? And when you have going through your head, oh, style is frivolous, style is a ripoff. And then you go to these events and you're like, I just feel like I don't fit in. Everyone is so well-dressed. They have so much more confidence than I do. Those two relate to each other. Right. (laughs) You're like, oh, they're so much more put together than me. And it's not necessarily that. But you have to, like you just said, you have to give yourself permission to move forward. You are worth it. Your thoughts influence your actions. So I would say anybody listening right now, and if you don't feel put together or if you feel like you aren't allowed to do this style, really look to see what are you telling yourself? Are you telling yourself stuff like I tell myself about style that's holding you back and influencing how you spend your time or what you spend your budget on? And how can you change that? So like for me, for instance, I think I'm going to invest in a beautiful piece that I love and I'm going to wear for years. I'm going to do it. I'm going to invest in this piece and I will treat it with the same respect that I treat my scuba jacket from Lululemon. It's amazing. <laughs> I will still say how amazing this jacket is, even though it's like athleisure sweatshirt material. It's still wonderful, but I do want something that will elevate me more in a professional setting. 
Yeah, because I can't wear my Lululemon jacket at a conference or if I'm I mean, ever going to be regarded as serious. You Well, okay, so you can, but it just depends on, a, a, like you just said, the messages you're telling yourself and what you feel. And if it doesn't feel right, then that's all you need for the reasoning. That's all you need. It doesn't feel right. So that that's not my thing. What do you mean it doesn't feel right? Well, it doesn't feel right. Like what? Like you're saying you don't feel like that's a piece that you could wear at a conference. You don't feel like that gives you the confidence or feeling professional in that. So that's not what. So it doesn't feel right. And that's all you need there. There's no other explanation needed for that. So I was saying I shouldn't like base what I wear on what other people are wearing, but rather what feels right. Right. To me. I guess I would say that for sure. But you you did a session with Erica. And I mean, for people that are as, as excited as we are after talking to Erica, we have got her her link in the show notes. You could check her out. Her group session sounds amazing. You got to do a private session with her. I haven't done that yet. It was fun. It was fun. She she gave me more permission to go after those bold colors, which I love me some bold colors. I love it. They can be scary. They can be scary, right? I love it. I love standing out like that with my bold color choices. It's fun. Well, remember, the best mom is a happy mom. Take care of you. And we'll talk to you later. Thanks for stopping by. I'm Margaret. And I'm Amy. And together we host the podcast, What Fresh Hell? Laughing in the Face of Motherhood. Margaret, I would say you're sort of a where are my keys kind of mom. Correct. Sometimes a where are my kids kind of mom. (laughs) Well, you're Amy more of a we were supposed to leave 35 seconds ago, mom. I mean, touche. In each episode of What Fresh Hell, we come at a topic from our usually completely opposite perspectives. I bring the research. And I bring kind of the gimlet eye. Like, is that research really going to work, people? And almost 10 million downloads later, we're still laughing. We also talk to experts in the parenting field, plus parents with stories we can all learn from. We make each other laugh, we challenge each other's assumptions, and we have what we think is the best parenting community on the internet. Check out What Fresh Hell? Laughing in the Face of Motherhood wherever you listen to podcasts.